Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I'm the author of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. And I know I say this all the time that I'm so excited, but I'm really excited today because I have such a special guest on the show and he's going to share his story of strength and resilience. And I always say that when we hear other people's stories, it actually makes us feel like we're not alone. So that's why I love every now and then infusing stories of strength Mm -hmm. and resilience into the show. And so I am so happy to have you on the show, Brandon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's wonderful. Your podcast in particular has been, just like as you mentioned, something that has really made me feel like I'm not alone. Like it's, it's such a hard, challenging road to be on or journey and um not everyone gets it you know so 
unfortunately, it's these podcasts have been lifesavers for me and particularly my son, you know, because I can function and um, get that uh, advice and like just daily I dip into your podcast and listen to a few episodes, even when I'm at work, just to consolidate or, you know, just to stay on top of things, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you just completely touched my heart. And you made the reason, you know, I don't know if you know, but podcasts, you don't get paid for podcasts. <laughs> and yeah, so sure. it, is, <laughs> it is a love for me and it is something that I needed so badly. And it is, I believe that because I went through the experience and I also have the training mm. in positive psychology and resilience, it's mm. like, this is just like, I need to be of service. I need to turn this pain into purpose. So for you to say that to me, it just validates why I keep going, why I hit record every week and so thank you thank you thank you it's so no. so nice of you and makes me feel so so good no so- it's me that should be thanking you really because like literally the amount of times I have listened to your podcast your episodes even if it's repeat listens the same episode like I've gone through every one and then I'll just as soon as the new one pops up I'll be straight on it you know I, don't know, I get all excited. I'm like, yes, there's a new one, you know, and then I'll, you know, it's all great. It's all good stuff. It's all been very helpful and, yeah, wonderful, very wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you're going to make me cry, so we better get into you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get the tissues ready. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon. <clears throat> so I'm 34 years old. Um, I've lived in Australia, Melbourne, my whole life, grown up in a lovely area around beaches and um, I'm a very creative person. I work, I do graphic design. Um, I make a bit of music in my spare time, but drawing and, but that's kind of taken the back burner being that I'm looking after my son full time. So like, obviously it's a balance all the time, but he's, he's sort of being my, my everything and my focus. So it's, you know, I'll draw with him and stuff like that and get crafty with him. So that's kind of been where that is. And I just do graphic design at work and things like that. And, um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. You sound like a very creative person and, um, in the fact that your career is in graphic design and then the music, Mm. and it sounds like you really Mm. come alive with creativity. Yeah. And, um, like I grew up that way, like ever since me, I've got an older brother and we just uh, used to draw together and that's all we'd do. We'd go to like family functions growing up. Mum mum was an art teacher at, for primary school. So we braced in our pop was a painter and like it's, it's in the family. So like we just grew up with that being the norm. Like we would just always be creative and that's what we did. Um, so it was weird for us when people would say, oh, well, I can't draw. That was weird for us to be like, what? <laughs> you can't draw? <laughs> that, um, that is funny because if you see my drawings, they're like stick figures. And like the one time we, I did this um, exercise where you had to draw yourself, you at your best. And it's like right. you had to do a, a visual representation of it. I'm not kidding you when I say it was a stick figure in tree pose, like in a yoga okay. tree pose with a little leg like this. And I put a big star on top of my head and a okay. big heart in my center of my tummy. But it was a stick figure. <laughs> It gets the point across, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. I'm feeling the encouragement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, growing up, 
became, you know, like the teenage years, I I started um, getting into parties and stuff. You know, mum, my mum got um, hit with a terminal illness when I was growing up. So she got given like a, it's called pulmonary hypertension. It's a very rare disease, a nerve ending disease, and which leads to many other complications. But she was on so much different medications. She ended up being like uh, basically, it's almost like a cancer in ways. So she got given like a time limit to live. Oh. Um, so she was diagnosed, I think, like it's all a bit fuzzy now, but probably when I was around, I don't know, 14, 15, um, and it was like four years for her to, to be around. So that, that was hard for me to swallow and accept. Um, and then she passed that day um, and obviously as soon as she, she passed that point, it was like every day I was just like, is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be oh. tomorrow? So that was just like very difficult time for me growing up and um I turned to partying and and being a bit of a rebel in a lot of ways and um it's not who I am like I don't I've never been someone that's about that sort of thing but I'm I'm a more relaxed person but yeah that drove me to want to kind of on on a road to self-destruction for a little bit um so I smoked a lot of marijuana and things like that um, got heavily into that. That was like my coping mechanism, I suppose, for good or worse, I'd say for worse. Um, and that it, it became a daily habit and um, turned into a pretty bad addiction for for quite a long time. And then she finally passed away when I was 21 and then the whole family just kind of broke apart and then I was just thrusted into the depths of a de- uh, depression and my weed addiction. So I just basically did that to cope. I just couldn't function anymore. Didn't know what to do. I just gave up on everything and um, it was just lost. I just lost hope and didn't even care anymore. I was like, if I live past 30, I'd be surprised. You know, I didn't even think beyond that anymore. Um, so this is all very bleak, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm um, so, Yeah, I'm so sorry that your the loss of your mother at such a young uh, age. And um that is that is I can't even imagine how devastating that is. And it it is it it is trauma, right? And mm-hmm. um yeah, so it just like you know, at a young age, we don't always have those coping strategies or you know, and also if it's someone that that was so instrumental in your life, it's oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm just I'm so sorry for your that loss and Thank you. and yeah. yeah so it's like she she was everything like I admired her so much she was such a strong um mother like she she very she she basically like cemented and um uh set the bar a standard so high like such an, a good standard of just being a good parent and all the things like being responsible and, you know, all those things. So that stuck with me. So even though I was yes. self on a road to self-destruction, I, I never went across the line into full self-destruction. It was almost like I was teetering on that edge, but I'd never go across the line. I'd always rein it back in because I oh, always good. That, you know, I always had that in my heart and my soul was always like, you know, pull, pull back, pull back, you know. Yeah. Um, so I always had that line, you know, where I'd be like, nah, too far, go home or, you know, so I'd never go too crazy. Um, and then a couple of years later, like when I was 23, so two years passed, I got in touch with, um, a girl that I knew in high school. I didn't know her, but I knew of her. I'd 
just saw her in passing a couple of times and um, she was kind of linked in with other friends that I knew. Um, but she she came over one night and then we basically just sat up, sat up all night and just chatted, just spoke on the couch. She told me that she had been on heroin and she was on a program, um, Suboxone, and she'd been clean for X amount of time um, and she'd had a lot of problems in that sort of area. Um, but I was at a point in my life then that I was just naive to all of it and I accepted it. I didn't judge. I just thought, well, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen, right? You know, like, we'll see. It's fine. Like, we'll go from here. Like, I didn't think too much about it. It was just I was just happy that we were together and then it, within weeks she'd moved in and she was on Suboxone. I don't know if you know what Suboxone is, but it's like, yeah. So she would be having that every day. So she'd have that. She'd, she was basically functioning on that. So that was like a whole new thing. I'd never heard of this stuff before. I'd heard of methadone but in heroin, but I've never been around it, right? Um, so, yeah, so our relationship started and it was it was different. It was a very bizarre learning curve for me to be with someone like that and our relationship kind of revolved around that like she couldn't function without it so it was kind of always at the forefront of her mood or you know the day so anyway fast forward about a year or and a half we got moved into a new place and we had two dogs at that time, two gorgeous dogs. And oh. I woke up to the sound of this really weird sound. I'd never heard anything like it. And I went out into the lounge room and I found her on the floor, blue head to toe. Um, oh, she was only wearing a dressing gown and she was naked apart from the dressing gown. And she was just like on the floor, like barely breathing, like on her dying breast. And I thought it was respiratory or a heart attack or something like that. I had no idea. I had no idea. And I called the ambulance and they were they came within like eight minutes, um, injected her with um, whatever that stuff is that gets them up Arcan, again. I can, yeah, yeah. So and then they said to her, Oh, you've fallen off the wagon, haven't you? And that's when it hit me because I knew what that meant. Um, and I was just devastated, like I had no idea. Um, but she, she told me I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell my family, um, that, you know, that she'd kill herself if I left her. She, she, you know, she sort of gave me all this sort of thing. And I, and I very much believe that I was going to help her, right? I was going to fix her. I was going to be the one. I was going to be the chosen one that was going to fix her and her problems. You know, I'll take it on. So I, I ended up continuing but it was I think our relationship kind of ended there really but we limped along you know um tried to get her into therapy and counseling she lasted only a few sessions and then she, one day I was like you're still going and she's just like nah I've, it's not working for me and that was that and our relationship was rocky like we were both smoking weed every day but she was a lot worse than I was she would basically wake up and start and then go to work until she goes to bed. And she had a and she was a nurse, mind you. And she had like a box full of like a massive tub full of medication that she'd take from the hospital. Um, and I don't even know what any of that stuff was. It was muscle relaxants, 
strong painkillers, you know, codeine stuff, all this sort of thing, stuff I've learned. I almost didn't want to know, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'd come home after work and sometimes she'd just be another person, like she'd just be like she was on something. And I I was too scared to even ask her anymore, like, what was going on. Like, I just got, got into this really weird place with her and um, it was very bizarre. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was it was very difficult and challenging because... I ended up telling my dad and my brother what had happened about her ODing and then, that, like, they were straight up like, you got to get out, like, you got to get out of this. And I didn't have the best relationship with my dad at that time after my mother died, so I wasn't really listening to him anyway. So as much as I wanted to get out of it, I thought, no, well, she's here for me, like, in, I'm there for her. So I just thought that was more important at the time. So I, and she, and I ended up telling her, like, look, I've told mum, my dad and my brother, and she cracked it with me. She was very, she was furious that I, you know. Of course they are. Oh my gosh. So, so, so much of your, your experience, like, is my experience. Like, I can relate to so many things. And um, what stands out, and I bet what a lot of the listeners are thinking too, is that, you know, and feeling and experience themselves is this idea that we we're so we almost say that we're naive in the beginning because it's like, but I think what it is is it's it is like it's under our radar. Like it's almost like you'd never suspect mm. that, right? Because it's 100%. under your radar. It's like what? It's like, and then when you actually see it, you actually can't believe what's going on. And yeah. then it's almost like you're like, you know, and then like you, it's like you, you're in a situation where you love them so much and you feel like, well, no, I can help you. Or I see your greatness or I've seen mm. your greatness. So like, it's almost like you feel, you legitimately feel like, uh, like you, ha- you can help them and that you can love mm. them hard enough or you can, yes. you know, like support them in such a wonderful way because, you know, we're good people. And Mm. like, it's like, yeah, okay, well, you know what? Like we see enough good in them that it keeps you around. And it almost like, but then there's, there's all these things that happen that you're just kind of like, uh, it's so bizarre. Your word bizarre is the word. It's bizarre (laughs) behavior. And it's just like, Mm. and then to the point where, yes, there's manipulations like, well, Mm. I'm going to kill myself or like, you know, mine would um, threaten the same thing, or I'd be worried that it would just happen because he like, he would OD or whatever. And then, so I didn't want to necessarily leave him alone, but then I couldn't be with them, blah, blah, blah. Mm, and so, mm. so it's so lonely. And like the fact that like, you're, you're not telling, you know, the closest people, some of the closest people to you where you could actually get support from them. And mm. that is why it's so important for the listeners and for people to know that they're not alone in this and that yeah. like, yes, reach out to friends, reach out. If you can't reach out to close people, reach out to communities like this, that like they're going through they know you understand like they understand and so so much of that what you said is like I bet a lot of listeners can relate to that Mm. so I'm curious like what was the biggest struggle with um loving in your case losing like moving out Mm. from that or away from that um with addiction what was your biggest struggle dealing with the betrayal and the like I think that was the because Fast forward, she relapsed again, got her off it again. I actually weaned her off heroin again. Used to take it with me to work so she wouldn't be taking too much and stage. Like, it was just ridiculous, like, thinking I'm doing the right thing. Um, 
And then I find, then then she falls pregnant like a year later and she didn't give me a choice, but she was going to, she wanted to have the child. And I said to her, well, I don't think we're ready. We're not in a good place financially, our relationship, everything. I said, I don't think, and she said, well, I'm having him, having it no matter what. So I said, well, if we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this right. Okay. So yeah. And then, um, our son was born. Um, and then I found out, uh, like getting back to your question, the hardest part was probably, I'd say just the, almost the, the, you think you know someone, but you don't, you know? You, 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 this is going on eight years now. We've been in a relationship for, and I've known her for, you know, even past in school, even just having known her. And you don't think people can be like this, you know, so damaging to others, especially if you're giving them love, yeah, and support, and how people can just um, damage you in, in the process. And you, you just don't understand, like, the how damaged people can just damage you from their damage, yeah? Yes. Um, so that was probably the hardest part is having to remove myself or to to basically um, find myself again because it all got swallowed up for so long, like eight years of my life gone to a degree on on something that just – like I'm still feeling the after effects of it right now and um, it's probably going to be a, quite a long time. Like a lot of people say, well, just get over it, you know, like move on, this or that, and it's like, well. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah, really I'm like still that. going on three years here and, and like I, I have training in psychology and resilience and like there's still moments I still have triggers and I think forever I will. So, um, but yeah, learning and processing. And, and so the biggest struggle and so common for me as well, I can share that same, uh, is this betrayal. It's almost mm. like you feel taken advantage of and so disappointed mm-hmm. and just like and it's constant right it's it's like this betrayal trauma that you're dealing with you think you know someone mm-hmm. and then they're like like I thought that this was my forever I thought that this was mm-hmm. like you know and I thought that this was like and so it's I can so relate to that and I think we just got the name of this podcast by the way damaged people damaged people <laughs> yeah, <sweet>. <laughs> because that's literally what happened to me it's like yeah. uh, I was so like, I was in not a good, good place. And it was, it's a constant, like you don't realize it, but it breaks you down because you're, Mm. you're, you're, you're constantly trying to be strong for someone and you're trying to help them. I was, you know, buying Vicks Vapor Rub to help with Mm. his chronic sinus infection. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I was like helping him with all these supplements to help build his immune system. And then, Mm. you know, all these, yeah, all these things (laughs) that we do, like, cause we were caring kind people. And then just like you said, like you think because we sometimes we cling to the person that we fell in love with and then we're hoping that we'll and sometimes we see like bits of them coming back. Mm. But then like so that's what keeps you there. So if you're still in a relationship, like there's no judgment there. Right. It's understandable because you completely you love this person. And or if it's a child, like you can't just disown them as a child. Right. So, um, yes, damaged people, damaged people. And that, that betrayal is so huge. And that is such a huge challenge. And I can, I mm. bet so many people are listening to this are shaking their head going, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. 
So I'd be like massaging her, you know, because she'd be feeling or she'd be bedridden, you know, some days she'd find it hard to get out of bed. So I'd be cooking her breakfast, bringing it up into bed. I'd be yeah. just like, <laughs> you know, doing all these things to get her going. Let's go for nice walks. Let's take the dogs for a walk to a nice, you know, fresh on a air. nice bush walk. Yeah, yeah. Come You'll on, make come you feel on. better. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to enjoy the day. The sun's out. We'll go to a cafe or we'll do this, we'll do that, you know, and uh, she'd take forever to get out the door, you know. By then it was just like, Three hours had gone by and the, the moment had passed, you know. And it's like, oh, I just got to go to the chemist first because I need to get my suboxone. <laughs> it's just like the day wouldn't start until that happened, right? And then, you know, but. And so I have to say, like, you are you are so vibrant and um, full of life yourself. It makes me sad to know that, like, in that moment and and same with me so many times like I'd be waiting let's go to the cottage let's go to the cottage Mm. and he'd be sleeping all day wouldn't wake up so I'd end up like at like four o'clock after waiting all day because he'd be sleeping all day because he's Mm. binged and stayed up for you know days on end Mm. I'd end up going by myself like near the end it's just like you know sad for me because it's like it kind of it Mm. pulls it really pulls you down into the muck and so many things like that too because we are caring kind people and I say it's not fair because they're numbing like we're Mm, not yes yes exactly (laughs) so like we feel all the pain and the frustration and the anger and leaving and they're partying and I have to say I saw this TikTok and there's this I guess this girl was I'm saying me on my I don't know Molly or she was on something she's like dancing and having so much fun and just big smiles and then Mm. she pretended to be her mother and she goes my mom while I'm on Molly and she pretended she was crying Uh, and I'm like that is so not right like are you kidding but that's the reality of it it's like they're the them are numbing themselves they don't experience the 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 aftermath or the the destruction Mm. that they create and then it's literally you're the one like the person who isn't the active addict is Mm. you know doing a lot of the suffering which i that is why i get i get so kind of like upset i'm like don't let someone else's addiction like destroy the person that you are (laughs) Mm, because so much it's it's so common like it's so common and i out of all the podcasts i listen to and i've reached out trying to find someone on like of like the male because it's a lot of the you know females talk a lot more about this sort of thing and it happens it's probably more common for the female to go through this i don't know i don't know statistics or anything like that but from my understanding and from what i've found you don't find too much of the the male or the the partner you know the male partner or whatnot in my situation which has i've had to sort of raise a child on my own you know Okay, let's let's get to this strength now because I'm so excited about that. Mm. And so, like, let's move into how did you take back your power? Um, basically, once I removed her from the house, like once I kicked her out, like I, I had to I had to call family to, you know, I called everyone that I knew to get advice and what to do if I was making the right call or what call should I make. And I said, you need to get her out. So I did. And from that point moving forward, it was basically, it was hard that first year, which was last year in April, Easter weekend. It was a hard year because I still wanted to help her. I wanted, because of our son. So I was still, 
trying to move on, but then I'd get pulled back in because I'd get a text from her or, or something. Um, and then I'd be like, okay, let's get you help. Let's get you into rehab. Once that happened three, four times and she would just go straight back to the drug dealer, um, I realised that there's nothing else to be done. I just got to focus on our son now. And that's what's given me my power. And that's where it all began because it was almost like once it, I felt this enormous weight just lifted off my shoulders. All of a sudden it was almost like um, I was almost like not reborn but like there I am, you know, like. Yeah, oh, I oh. love that. There I am. Yeah, oh, yeah. there I am. That yeah. happens to oh. me too. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, so it was almost, I don't know what point it exactly or when it happened, but it was almost like after the one massive moment that she just, she came in and tried to take him. She, you know, do you know meth or ice, the drug ice? So she inject, she's been injecting that and um, heroin and God knows what else. But um, she's just like a different, completely different person now. And she, she was like rampant on that stuff, injecting multiple times a day. And I, and I watched it happen. Like when she lived with me, she was doing it and I was trying to get her off it. Uh, meanwhile, our child was like a year old. So I contacted child protection and nothing really happened on that end. Um, but then eventually things fell apart. And then I, she brought around a drug dealer while I was at work and I found out through text messages because I knew something was up and then it was just like, yeah. So like <clears throat> uh, it was basically like once that was removed out of my periphery or out of my life for the most part, then the healing could begin. And and then it was like got to another point, like I was saying, where she'd come back to me or, you know, she got kicked out by the drug dealer or something had happened and then I'd be like, okay, we'll get you to your mum's and then we'll get you into rehab and then that would all blow up in our face and then she'd go straight back to the drug dealer and just completely screw us over. That happened multiple times and then I got to one point and I was just like, it's done. Like um, I'm freeing myself of this. And... Arlo, our son's name's Arlo and he's a gorgeous boy and he's just so smart, super, Yay. super cool, like he's the best. And I was just like, wow, like I've got this, the most precious thing in the world and time is like something you don't get back, right? So it's like every moment, every day I have with him is like the best. Like if I can just, like that's what matters to me is just like putting all my focus and on myself and him and that was kind of we've just got like the most amazing bond together now because we every chance I get we just go on adventures and we just have fun and we just and that's become the standard for us now so like every weekend I'll just be like taken to the zoo or you know to parks on his bike like I've got my bike mountain bike set up with his little seat on it so like he will sit on on it and we'll just go for bike rides and like it's been like that now for a while and that's become just the way it is now. Like we just, that's it. That's our life. And. Oh my God. Well, I need to give you so much, 
celebration. And um, I just am so grateful and thankful for you protecting that little soul and removing, recognizing that that environment that you were in was not conducive for a healthy environment for him and for yourself. And that it took a lot of yes, back and forth and bravery mm. to remove yourself from that situation and, and still probably challenging. Oh, and, yeah. So I just, you know, I want to celebrate that and that, you know, that that moment too. And I love the way you say that. Like, what did you say? It's like, oh, there I am. I love Yeah, that. there I am. It was like, yeah. it was weird. I'm just like, because I just shelved myself, you know, I locked it away. I just put myself away in a closet somewhere in a safe for another day, maybe if I get back there again. Yeah. And forgot about it. It's like I threw away the key and was like, um, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh yeah, I can actually dig that back out again and re- and try and find out what I like, my hobbies, what what are the things I like to do, you know? So true. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It is so true. And this happens and a lot of people are like probably shaking their head listening, going, Me too, me too. That is exactly, you know, what this whole platform program, book, resilience program, Mm. everything is for is because that's what happens when you love someone with an addiction. You kind of put yourself up on the shelf. Mm. You lock yourself in a little safe and like Mm. it's like your the needs of someone else else comes above your own. And so I am so celebrating that you were able to, you know, how you took back your power is like, first of all. Also honoring the fact that, and a lot of people are listening because I have a lot of mm. people that are wondering, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. And yeah. I just want to make sure that people know that the answer isn't necessarily leaving. In your situation, no. it was, in my situation, actually, mine left me. I think I probably yeah. would have stayed around for the abuse a lot longer, you know, mm. had he not just disappeared. Um, but so whatever, I want, just want the listeners to know whatever situation you're in, whether you're you're still in the relationship. You're wondering whether you should stay or go, or you're deciding to stay. Like there's no mm-hmm. judgment there. Everyone's on a different path. Um, yes. And so, but for you and whether, wherever you are, you want to make sure that you're not losing yourself and that you're mm-hmm. not um, experiencing the wrath or the damage from um, some damaged people. So because yeah, the hard part at that point when it was like, had to make that call was like, I know she's she's really bad with me and with Arlo, our son. She is bad. Like, she was really bad. Her addiction level was just, like, insane. Um, and I thought if I kick her out, it's, like, basically throwing her to the wolves. Like, I, I thought that's how I felt. That's like she's right. She's going to get so much worse. There's going to be no, no one holding her back anymore. So it was very hard for me to accept that at the time where I was like, She's just going to get really bad. You know, and it's so, so many people are say the exact same thing that I coach. And I, the same thing is like, I remember one time he would not come home for like, and I'd wake up looking at, I had this clock that projected on the ceiling. I would always Mm. look at the clock, 222, 3.44, like 4.45, like, where the frick are you? No answer on his phone, blah, 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 driving myself nuts. And I remember saying one time I was creating a boundary but then I created the boundary. Like, if you can't come home by 1 p, like 1 a.m., then don't come home. And then, then he stopped coming home. Yeah. So then I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, man, like, now I yeah. don't know if he's okay. Like, and then so I start, like, you know, so yeah. it's, it's interesting how it goes that way, right? Like, it's like, mm. yeah. So, yeah. so, like, I didn't even know about boundaries through this whole thing, you know? 
not until after the fact, right? So it's almost like I was just sailing blind through this and hoping that something was going to happen, something good. I don't even know what. I was lost, you know, in the sea of addiction. And, um, yeah, it was almost like she'd be messaging me like, oh, I just got to go score from the drug dealer, you know, you know who it is. It's this blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know who they are, but you've told me who they are. Um, can you be home by this time? And then it would be, like you said, two, three, I'd be in bed with our son, like waking up periodically through the night. She's still not home. And this happened multiple times, you know, it became the norm. And then some nights she started not coming home. And then she said she came home one day and said, oh, I think we need to separate. And I said, oh, you're kidding me, right? Like our son's like just turned one year old and you want to break up? You know, and it was just it was just when COVID was just hitting hard too, like lockdowns and all that. Curfew had just been put that night. Curfew was put on in Melbourne, so you couldn't be outside past nine o'clock or whatever it was. So she was protecting her addiction, is what she was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and she and she was allowed to be out after hours because she was a nurse. So she, if she got picked up, she'd just say that she's a nurse. Mm. So she had her bases covered. And then, like, it was insane. I ended up finding out a few of her friends, like whatever you want to call them, um, contacted me much later and said, look, she's been she's been using and all that, even through while she was pregnant, she was using ice uh-huh. and she used to take Arlo to their houses and to drug dealers' houses and the whole thing. Like, well, you know, I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought I had a happy family, you know, like yeah. even though, <laughs> even too. though she, you know, I was like, what? Like, you kid, I just felt so sick because it was you like. You feel stupid after. Like, I, like oh, we're yeah. not stupid, but we, you, you, you cannot help but feel stupid. It's like, oh my gosh. When you actually find out what you're mm. actually dealing with, like for me, it's like when I found out, I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this? How, like, you almost feel like, why did I give it so oh, many yeah. chances? Like, yeah. you know, and just if you're listening to like, so common to have those, those emotions to come, but we're not stupid. We're caring, loving people. We're behaving yeah. in ways that, you know, like, like people who like love and care and are good mm. people would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Self, self-care, self-love, self-compassion around the whole thing. So I'm curious what has been your biggest lesson and your growth around loving someone with an addiction? Ah, oh, my biggest lesson was, it was basically, I think my biggest lesson is you just have to, I think you have to focus on yourself, you know, you can't fix someone else's problems. Um, at the end of the day, as much as you'd like to. So my biggest lesson is basically just focus on yourself. Um, find your strength, you know, whatever it takes. Um, whether you're still in that relationship or not, you have to you have to find your solid ground and where you stand. You have to find where you stand in life and what you're prepared to to put up with. Um so it's kind of, I guess you just have to find yourself, you know, and what's your, what's, and who you are and what you want to embody, what you want your life to be like, like what do you actually want in life and go go for it, chase that, you know. There's nothing better than having positivity. Like life's hard enough, 
you don't need extra baggage and extra other, you know, people and their problems interfering with your growth. So I don't even know how to distill that into a line or a phrase, but it's basically like. You said it wonderfully. All those things are so beautiful. So that's it because it's been, that's been my saviour. It was like just turning the, the focus on myself, turning the camera back around and just saying, well, who am I? What do I want? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? And it's just I just want to be, I want to be a good dad, number one. I want my son to have a good life and I want to be a good person, you know? So it's just those things. I want to, I don't want to stress anymore, you know? What's the point? What's the point? I felt like I was literally killing myself. Saving you was killing me, right? So <laughs> I've heard yeah. that before. <laughs> yeah, what's that? You know, but that's le- legitimately it. Yeah. Like I, I felt like I was, I felt like I had accelerated my my age, you know, like I just. Yes, I said the same thing. I said, I look in the mirror, I was like, oh my God, I think like I just aged like five years. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful message. And like, you're talking my language here. It's like turning that camera back around, right? What, what, Mm. wherever you are in the relationship and just like finding your strength again, tapping back into your power and just like getting, I love that expression, finding solid ground. And that, and Mm. That is so powerful. And, and you did that. You're an example of it. You're, you're, you're an example of, you know, I love the way you said it. There I am. Like that is. So yeah. Yay. yeah. And, so- and yeah, like you have to, you have to, um, you have to really um, be like, you, you can't, you can't allow yourself to be pulled down, you know, because it's, it's too much. Like it really is like, if it's really detrimental to your health, your mental health and who you are, your soul, and, and it's really damaging you, it's not worth it. It really isn't. And you, you only probably find that out until you're sort of out of the war, you know, out of the, the trenches of it. And you don't, it's only after a bit of time you get to reflect. And like, as I said, once the weight is lifted off your shoulders of the responsibility of carrying the burden, you can relax again. You can actually sit there and not be overwhelmed. So it's, yeah, it's every case is different. Every relationship's unique in their own way. Everybody's unique in their own way. And everyone has an addiction in their own way. So there's no two the same. There's just similarities across the board. Out of all the thousands or hundreds, I probably should say, stories and articles and interviews and things I've scoured the internet for, and whatnot, talking to so many people to try and find out, you know, to, to connect, to to understand, you know, what's happening or what happened. What the hell just happened, you know? Yeah. When you, you, yeah. Know, when you look back, you go, what the hell? Like, what just That's happened? That's exactly you know? it. Yes, yes. So when you're out of it, out of the war, so to speak, um, mm. it's easier to say and to think what the heck just happened. Like you're looking at that. It's like, it's almost like you're caught in this whirlwind of like a hurricane, yeah. right? And yeah. then when you kind of get into the eye or you get outside of it, you look back and you go, holy jumping. Like what the heck just happened? So true. Mm. And mm. I love, and I always, 
always say to my clients too, and this is the, like, is basically it's not our burden to carry. Their addiction is not our burden to carry. No matter what, whether you're in the relationship, whether you're you're back and forth in the relationship, whether it's mm. a child, no matter what it is, is the, that's the number one thing that kind of save, saves a lot of people is recognizing, you know, that's not my shame. That's not my burden to carry. Like mm. it's, you know, as soon as we can sort of detach, it's, um, it's really helpful. Really, really. Yeah. Helpful. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So it was, it was, that was the shame of it. Because it was like, this is my family. This yes. is, this is the mother of my child and my partner. And like to come out and I must go, go behind her back to a point felt like betrayal to me. Like, because, you know, I had to tell the story and tell people what was going on, whether it be her sisters or her mother, you know, and, and whatnot. So it just got to that point where it was like, yeah, I felt like I'm, I have to, I had to do it. Like I, I had to do it and there was no question about it, but I still wasn't comfortable about it. Yeah. It gets to a point where enough is enough and where you just know that you, it's just not right. Like you just, you know, your value, you know, your worth, you know, you're languishing, you know, you're like going down a spiral of not doing well. You become more and more exhausted and more and more depleted and everything. So it gets to a point, you know, and where you just like, I do have to focus on me or like, I am going to really suffer here. So, um, so yeah, I really, I'm so excited that you were able to take your power back and Arlo and like, is such a wonderful source of mm -hmm. love and, um, joy for you in your life at this point and so finally like you know what message for the listeners would you want to leave them with um just hey my son's calling out he's woken up oh <laughs> <Aww>, yay <laughs> um just just be yourself you know find out who you are and chase that you know I think that's the most important you know the burden's not yours to carry so let it go you'll be better off yeah Oh my gosh, Brandon, I can't, I know you have to go to your little guy, Arlo. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I cannot thank you enough. That's my wife. Me. Yay, that's so nice. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for being here. Your story is going to help so many people, so many examples of hope and resilience and strength here. And I just can't thank you enough for reaching out and being such a loyal listener and a part of the community. And um, I can hear him now. It's cute. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. No, thank there. you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Wasn't he incredible? Oh my gosh, such a source of hope and strength and resilience, an example of that as well. So thank you so much for listening. I wanted to share really exciting news and I wanted to share it with you, the podcast listeners, because I wanted you to be the first to know. I have exciting news because I'm opening the door on the first ever SYKM Positive Psychology Resilience Course. And I wanted to personally invite you and offer you the early bird registration fee, and it's going to be incredible. So basically, it's a positive psychology resilience course, which, as you know, I am a positive psychology practitioner, resilience coach, and we draw on all that wonderful knowledge. And I transfer it into, I created this amazing resilience course that I would love to have you in. It's all about, you know,
know, evidence-based strategies that help with human flourishing, with improving quality of life, and all these intentional behaviors that you can like implement into your life right away um, so that you can feel reconnect with your needs, reconnect to your power, really unleash your strengths again and tap back in, picking yourself up off the shelf. You probably put yourself on the shelf there for a while. So this resilience course is eight weeks. It's module based, but it's also live. So you're going to literally have me for eight weeks and we are going to take you through and walk you through weekly themes. You can apply the learning. It's interactive group meetings. um, And it's really, there's an ease of learning. So there's a whole platform I use too with video content and PDFs and printables um, so that you can be in the driver's seat of your life. So you can connect with others who are going through similar struggles. So you can feel hopeful for a better future and just feel like you're building yourself back up again because let's face it, you matter. Your well-being matters. So let's stop letting someone else's addiction override or get in the way of your well-being. So I would love to send you this personal invite. I hope you come and join us. Go over to the website at savingyouiskillingme.com and click on the resilience course and you can find out more information there and register as well. I would love to have you. Again, it's going to be limited space because I want to keep it intimate and it's an eight-week course starting at the end of September, beginning of October, and I would love to have you in there. So hop on over to that website. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.